Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast, where we discuss faith, mission, the church, and the intersection of all three. Today on The Interview, we have the opportunity to talk with Mike Jarrell. Mike is the director of Creo Collective, a collaborative community of gospel pioneers exploring new expressions of church together. You can check them out at creocollective.org. Thanks for listening, and we're glad you're joining us at The Interview. Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast. My name is Alan Bradford in Knoxville, Tennessee, and with me today is Brenna Varner in Albany, Oregon. How are you doing, Brenna? I'm awake, <laughs> and I've got my coffee, so I'm doing good. <laughs> it is dark there. That, that I'm impressed. It is. It's pretty early. I don't know what time it is. You guys are way back there. I don't. I don't know what's going on. What time is it actually there? Oh, it's not that early. It's like seven fifteen. I'm fine. Seven fifteen. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's it's fine. You're allowed to do that. But also with us today is Terry in Austin, Texas. How are you doing, Terry? I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. So it's, yeah, it's, it's only going up from there. Uh, but also with us today, we're excited to have with us Mike Gerald, who is in Philadelphia right now. How you doing, Mike? Good. Good. Good to see you guys. Yeah, it's good to have you with us, man. You're in Philadelphia, and you've even got the right hat on. So you got the Eagles hat on. You're like representing. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you. Although I don't think the Eagles are doing really well this year, are they? Yeah, could we just like talk about something else now? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll move on. We'll move on from that. That's good. Okay. I mean, Gardner well, Minshew is exciting. He's, he's the best. <laughs> he's he's hysterical when he wore the Top Gun jacket. Yeah. Afterwards, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's a character. Right. That's good. Well, I'm excited to have Mike with us because Mike it gives helps give leadership to an organization called the Creo Collective. And I have run across the Creo Collective a couple of different times. We have an expression here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Just excited about the work that they're doing and what's going on with them. And we just kind of want to unpack and kind of get under the hood of Creo and hear from one of their one of the one of the people giving leadership to it. So, Mike, tell us about the Creo, man. Tell us about how it came to be, what it is, how's it, how it's going, where where its future is. Just just kind of unpack a little bit about the Creo for us. Yeah, so Creo started as a um, just a group of people, a group of guys in the evangelical free church that were sort of the the misfits that thought differently about mission and disciple making and wh- what we should be doing in the world. And so we teamed up together. We were sort of like minded people that wanted to get together and compare notes and hear each other's stories and learn together and laugh a lot and have some beers. And it, it was sort of a grassroots sort of thing out of the, out of the free church. And it grew. And there was a guy who gave leadership to it. His, his name was Jeff Sorvik, this incredible guy, good friend. And he died tragically in a house fire a few years after Creo had formed probably about a year that most of us just were in pain <laughs> and having a hard time losing our really good friend and mentor. He was, he was sort of a, a sensei and, and mentor to us. Spent a lot of time traveling around with him, hiked the Rockies. You know, he, he such a humble man, leader, had planted a number of churches, really great guy. 
so for about a year we nobody really wanted to touch leading creo or owning it it just felt wrong <laughs> for anyone to even step up but we all still felt a real commitment to the same stuff the the values that we had we all felt really bonded with each other and realized that things weren't going to move forward without somebody giving some sort of leadership to it the team said you've seen some multiplication happen where you're at and so maybe you can help lead us with with this thing i had a movement team and started focusing a little bit more intentionally together as a as a network after about a year of pain and mourning the network over the last few years has has grown quite a bit the cool thing is probably 60 to 70% of creo is is bivocational or co-vocational it's like not getting salaries from churches it's uh no longer in the evangelical free church we we pulled out of that we have what we would call like a strategic partnership. We we agreed with the Free Church National Leadership when they said if Creo isn't grassroots, it'll kill it. If we try to you know give you too much direction and oversight, you're not going to grow. So we left. Real positive thing. Creo continued to grow, multiply. Uh, about a hundred and. 40 people are a part of Creo, and like I said, 60-70% are, are bivocovo. Let's see what what else. We so we're we're committed to multiplying everything healthy out of the harvest. Like we we don't want it to be transfer growth, multiplied disciples, expressions of the church, networks. I, everyone in Creo is is really uh, I think passionate about those outside of outside of the you know traditional church structures but we also don't have like one sort of template or way of going about things people doing digital online churches and communities at Walt Disney World across all the Disney campuses uh, missional communities micro churches house churches all sorts of different things and so i really appreciate the variety and and the fact that these People are just committed to, we're just going to do whatever it takes to, to, to reach people that aren't going to come to us. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So uh, real quick, let me ask you this. You'd kind of referenced it. Uh, so kind of give us a little bit of your story. So, so kind of your, you know, church story, kind of what you've been doing, because uh, you said they looked at you, said, Hey, you've got some multiplication going. Can you help give leadership to this? Uh, so I'd love to kind of pick it. What, 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 you know, what's Mike Gerald's story? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's a good question. I so I grew up in the church, became an agnostic for a while, then came back to my faith over late night appetizers and an Applebee's. <laughs> um, those late night apps will do it, baby. So it's came, a good story. It's a great story, and and then I started working with a church plant that had gotten off the ground, and the person that was leading the church plant was disqualified. Small group of people meeting in a gymnasium and an EMS building. The church grew very rapidly numerically. Um, you know, we were in the process of like a building project and had a gymnasium and property and hired a bunch of staff and the whole thing just kept growing. I was asked to speak at a, a national leadership conference in San Diego. 
during that that whole journey, I was wrestling with the fact that we weren't really reaching lost people. Pretty much all of our growth was transfer growth. People were coming from other churches. And I didn't feel like people's lives were that much different than their neighbors or coworkers. They look pretty much the same. They just went to a church event. And so I'm out at this leadership conference um, supposed to share the story of our rapid numerical growth. And I had been connecting for about six months with these guys that had called themselves the missional architects, just like a group of people that were doing like house churches in the, in the Rockies and missions work in Berlin and stuff in LA. And you know, so we connected, it was a week before my wife and I got married and I'm out at this pub after the, after the, um, conference in San Diego called the blind lady ale house. And these guys looked at me and said, you know, Hey, with Mike getting married next week, I think it'd be really great if we all took turns and shared one piece of advice for Mike for his future marriage. And so we're sitting around this high top table, 10, 15 of us. And the guys took turns and shared one piece of advice with me. And it wasn't cheesy. It was good. It was meaningful. A little bit later, one of the guys said, um, Hey, with Mike getting married next week, I think it'd be great if we all took turns and shared the biggest dumbass mistakes that we've made in our marriages. <laughs> so then these guys started going around the table and saying, whatever you do, never do this. Whatever you do, never say this. And some of it was hysterical. Some, some of it was like really personal. Like guys started tearing up saying, I thought I couldn't screw up in this way. And thank God for grace that I'm still married. I'm like, these guys are like getting vulnerable with me here. Then a little bit later, one of the guys said, um, Hey Mike, just so you know, all your food, your beers, they're on us. We got you covered. We just want to bless you. Like, thanks. A little later, one of the guys said, Hey, the spirit of God put it on my heart to buy a round of beers for the table next to us. I'm like, that's cool. Whatever. (laughs) So he bought a round for the table next to us. And these guys at the table next to us said, who are you? You you guys are like laughing and crying and you bought our beers. Like, who are you guys? And the guy said, we're a group of missionaries and guys that are starting churches. And the guy went, bullshit. No, you're not. <laughs> he said, no, we are. And then he said, why, why don't you join us? And the guy at the table next to us said, well, I'm an atheist. And he said, I don't care. Join us anyway. And so this four top scooted onto our table and they were treated like insiders and they're laughing with us. We're laughing with them. They're teasing us for our belief. We're teasing them for their unbelief. We're toasting. We're sharing apps together. And the conversation was awesome. And then with these new guys at the table, one of the guys, this uh, Irish Marine stands up and he said, um, I know you guys don't believe in God. He looks at the new guys. I know you guys don't believe in God, but our buddy Mike here is getting married next week. And I'd like to pray a prayer blessing over Mike for his future marriage. Hmm. And this atheist guy looks at him and goes, that sounds like a really meaningful idea. So he stands up and he prays this like Celtic prayer holding his stout, like in the middle of this crowded pub. And I sat back in my seat and I thought, 
I have never felt so loved by a group Mm. of Christians in my life. Like these guys are sharing advice. They're confessing their biggest mistakes. They're, they bought my food and drinks. They're like, we've got other people that are added to the table that are treated like insiders. Then I started thinking about acts and I'm going, man, breaking a bread, prayer, Mm. confession, generosity, the Lord added to their number. And I'm then, then I started thinking this looks more to me like church than what I'm doing with all these people in this building project. And so anyway, I, I left that and I was super just obliterated by that experience, went off, got married I'm on my honeymoon. I tell my wife, I, you know, I think God wants us to do blind lady alehouse church or something. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. So went back to the church I was at, told him the story and said, I, I think rather than trying to get people to come to us, we need to go to them and, and be in real authentic community and see God work in those environments. And I had never heard of other people really doing missional stuff other than the experience I had with these you know, misfits out in yeah. San Diego that totally rocked my world. And, uh, and the church I was at said, we're in the middle of a building project. We raised all this money. What are we going to do with it? I'm like, we could just give it to the poor. They're like, where are we going to put all the people that are coming? I'm like, we could just start more churches or have more services. Who cares? Right. So that was the beginning of me leaving and saying, I just have to go do this. And so we formed a community in our basement, people my wife knew through real estate, a couple friends tried to figure out how to live this way of life. All I knew was teaching and preaching. So I tried to teach them into mission and it didn't work. <laughs> then I realized, oh, wait, we need to do this together. So we started hanging out over chicken wings at pubs and one community turned into two to four to six and, you know, continue to multiply. Then we accidentally planted a church in Philly, which is a crazy story. (laughs) And, you know, they planted out of that. And then we sent another leader out. So yeah, um, fast forward, we have 18 micro churches in the Harrisburg area, a collection in Philly, Maryland and Delaware, and then Creo. So that's that's beautiful. A little bit of my background. Yeah, I mean, I love that, Mike. Uh, we we have a lot of, uh, of our listeners are, are pastors at, at various different levels. And I, I know we have a, a good contingency of pastors who are kind of in the, they, it feels like they're in a beginning phase or a relaunch phase. And so, and they're really looking at these sorts of things. Like how do, how do you, how do you move from the typical church to thinking as a network and, and seeing multiple expressions kind of planted and created and cared for it. And so, man, can you unpack? I mean, you you jumped from we gathered a group in our basement and then you extrapolated all the way to the exponential, you know, multiplication. What were what were some of those early days? Like if you had advice for pastors who are listening, like what are what what are like what were some of the activities? What was some of your mindset, your focus, you know? Uh, maybe just like the guys at the table, what was your best advice? And then what would you make sure you did not do uh, in those early days? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I have like a million stories. So it's it's hard to even know where to start. I 
we had a lot of really awkward situations, weird things that happened. I, I think we realized that it's if we if we mixed a group of people that that wanted to walk with Jesus and each other and people who didn't yet know Jesus and tried to do it all in one sitting, then you would end up with people that wanted to be shaped, understand their gifting, get strategic, frustrated that we weren't, you know, getting more strategic and learning and understanding how we're wired. And then you get other people that were super intimidated and felt like they were tricked and there was some sort of bait and switch. And so we, I mean, we've just had these, these crazy environments. I remember one of the guys that was a part of our community loved to just mix a bunch of his Christian friends and his friends that didn't share their faith together and the same parties. And he came back to me and he's like, yeah, we had this party the other night. My friends were asking questions about Jesus and I didn't know the answer. So I just started making shit up. <laughs> like, <laughs> You can't make stuff up about Jesus. Yeah. He's got he's, half he's, of it, though. He's got I'm, half I'm, of it there. He's got the, <laughs> the people asking questions. So we can work on the other was, stuff, right? <laughs> it was so it was so great because then I'm like, you like, don't make make stuff up. And he's like, but I didn't know the answer. What am I going to say? And I said, tell him you don't know. And he's like, oh, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I should do that. So he actually went back to his friends and was like, I, I'm sorry. I was really insecure because I didn't know the answers to what you were saying. So I just made stuff up. We, we should probably like look into it together. And that was an opportunity to model some humility. But then, you know, we had a, a friend that I had met at a coffee shop that she was an Egyptian Muslim. And one of the guys in our micro church was a, a German guy who was super wealthy, but he came to faith because this like really uh, judgy group of, of religious Christians converted him. And when he came to faith in Jesus, he ended up making this vow that he wasn't going to drink beer as a German man, got really like caught up in the end times and reading all this like end time stuff felt bad for what the Germans did to the Jews. So he started wearing like a, a Hebrew yarmulke on his head, big star of David necklace around his, around his neck. And, uh, and so he's at a pub with, with me and there's an Egyptian Muslim girl that I met at a coffee shop sitting at the same pub across from him. And he's got this thick German accent with a star of David <laughs> necklace and a yarmulke <laughs> sitting across from a Muslim girl and he says, I, I made this vow that I wasn't going to drink beer be, whenever I became a Christian. But now I realize it's not a sin to drink. It's, it's just wrong to get wasted. So is it wrong if I go back on my vow? And my Muslim friend went, well, I'm a Muslim and I drink beer. And then he looked at her and he goes, so you're the infamous Muslim. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is going on here? Right. Yeah. And so you realize that like you start mixing different circles and people are hanging out and some people are praying for each other and you're sharing stories of people you met and all sorts of messy stuff comes up. People say things they that they're just not socially aware of how that makes somebody feel used. And so you, ha you have to like process all this stuff with people and it, it all worked out 
fine. It was, it ended up being okay, but we've been in so many bizarre situations. I've had neighbors that no experience in the church or hanging out in my home. And this guy that had a radical come to faith experience, then as you know, oftentimes they can swing the other direction and get really judgy coming out of a rough situation. So he's in my kitchen. I'm drinking a sweet baby Jesus chocolate peanut butter beer <laughs> and, and toasting with my neighbor. And this guy walks over and he's like, sweet baby Jesus beer. That's sacrilegious. That's not honoring to God at all. My neighbor looked incredibly uncomfortable. But the cool thing was, is I was able to like, look at him and go, anything that tastes this good is a gift from God. So thank you, Jesus. Cheers. <laughs> right. It immediately put my neighbor at ease. It was like a teaching moment for that guy later. But all that to say, like, I have a million stories of like super awkward, weird moments, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a million stories of awkward, weird moments. But one thing that I've learned, it, especially in the Northeast, but probably everywhere, that people don't like the bait and switch. They don't like being told that they're going to come to a barbecue and then it turns into an exegetical study mm. or something. Yeah. They're like, what did I walk into? This is super weird. And so we realized that we need at, at least three environments, maybe four or five different environments that we play with. And so something I've learned, Terry, is like our microchurches play with a environment that we call like party serve. So we found that anyone in your, pretty much anyone in your life will party with you and they'll serve with you, whether they share your faith or not. They'll come to a, a barbecue or a karaoke night or, you know, see a, see a band with you or whatever. And they'll run a 5k for leukemia. They'll help a neighbor with a house project or moving or whatever. So that first environment is like a party serve type of thing. Then we realize that pe people who want to walk on the faith journey, many of them, I mean, you guys have probably seen this. I go to churches that have been meeting for decades and people have been sitting in pews for decades or chairs, whatever, and they don't even know their spiritual gifting. They've never even thought or heard of APEST described, right? And so you go, wait a second, you have people that have been sitting here for for 40 years, they've never made a disciple. They don't even know what their gifting is at all, right? That's insane to me. So we, we need an environment where people can know how they're gifted, how they're wired, how God has called them, where we can pray together, where we can strategize mission, where we talk about the stories of Jesus, toast, share our biggest failures and break bread together and toast wine together to the grace of God. We need that environment. But then we realize that people aren't going to go from a barbecue to this environment where we're talking about our gifting and our wiring and praying together and talking about the stories of Jesus. It's too intense. So people need an environment where they can dip their toes in and just be curious or ask questions. And so we created this second environment that was like a table environment where people could just move at the Holy Spirit's pace in their journey, whatever that look looks like. Be like faith questions at a pub or come hang around a fire pit or whatever, hear each other's stories. So all of our micro churches play with each of those environments. And the key is 
that you're clear about what you're inviting people to and they don't feel lied to or tricked. Yeah. You know, come hang with us. We're going to help these people. Cool. That's what we do. Now, we don't push our faith in that environment, but we don't hide who we are. As we, as that relationship develops and people show curiosity, you know, why don't we get together around a fire and hear each other's stories a little more, right? You're just letting them dip their toes in, right? Then as they show more interest, man, I think I'd like to journey with you guys more. Cool. We get together. We'd love to share stories. We talk about where we suck and thank God for grace. You know, we love to eat. We strategize how we can see God at work in our community, right? And then they can opt in or out of that if they so choose. So we realized that we needed to play with lots of different environments rather than try to do it all in one setting. <laughs> That's probably our biggest mistake is trying to do it all like in one yeah. shot. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful, man. I'm so just real quick time out on that one. Uh, I'm still stumbling over the fact I grew up in Germany. So I spent 10 years in Germany and you're telling me a German gave up on beer and, and that my brain can't comprehend because <laughs> all I remember was like Germans beer was like water. Yeah. Like it's like, it was no big deal. And you're saying a German gave up. I'm still kind of stuck on that part right there. <laughs> I, I was shocked by it too. And that, that created a really weird moment for me. <laughs> good. I wanted to crawl under the table like so many times. <laughs> All right, Mike. So you kind of started to introduce us uh, to Creo a little bit here. I'd love to hear a little bit more nuts and bolts, the vision, you know, how, how uh, is Creo moving? What is Creo doing? And, and how do you guys see this thing playing out, you know, as you guys continue to grow? Yeah, so Creo Collective means create together. And that's that's our desire is that we're not telling people what to do and saying, here's a pamphlet, go apply all these principles. We're going, what, what does it look like for you to be a missionary where you're at? How do you see God at work in your community, neighborhood, workplace, city? And how do you begin to empower other people to live into their identity and calling? And the, the cool thing is, I, I think across Creo, you're watching like people share ideas and ideas spark ideas. So it's not so many networks. I, I get the sense that it's like everyone's trying to copy one really effective person that's seen some sort of traction in a particular city. You know, let's all try to do what so-and-so did and make this big splash. And so they're copy pasting in Korea. We're, we're just seeing a lot of people do so many unique things. And so we're processing churches as small as where two or three are gathered and people like Stephen Barr are going, okay, we're going to have communities that are two or three people meeting in different spaces and watch God grow something out of that. And then you've, you've got people that are creating online churches. You got, guys sitting in the same room with me here doing missional multiplication with migrant workers. And um, so, so you sort of start with the missionary rather than the method and go, what is it, what does it look like to be faithful to the place and the people that you feel called to and what's God going to do there? So I think uh, the key for us is coaching and the observation is that, most of these people are not getting a salary because they, what they're, what they're doing isn't going to be a moneymaker. The people that 
the harvest is unbelievably plentiful. I mean, there are so many people that are open to community that have needs that will process faith with us, but you, you have to, you cannot serve God and money. And so we're, we're watching this network grow, but most of the people are not making, making money doing what they're doing, but they're watching tons of people experience Jesus, cities being changed. Uh, the, the, the stories are unbelievable. I, even last night or two nights ago, one, one of the ladies uh, who is a part of our church, our micro church, we were hanging out in my kitchen and she brought a, her boss, you know, probably a month and a half ago to our house and her boss is a very outspoken atheist. I think she was willing to come to our barbecue that we were having because she has cancer, really aggressive cancer. And so she came, but she was really like sort of sarcastic and <laughs> oppositional when she showed up, like ready to, to fight a little bit. But when she was hanging out, I, I asked her, you know, what does it hurt if we pray for you? You got cancer. I know you're scared. What's it hurt if we pray for you? I prayed for this lady and uh, she was sort of tearing up as we prayed, left. I found out two nights ago that she was healed mm. and cancer is completely gone. And it was super aggressive at that time. And she was very sarcastic. And now we're watching God work. We just hear these stories all the time now. And we're watching healings. We're we're, we're seeing people that we, we never would have imagined. I mean, one guy shared with me yesterday about how there was a guy that became a part of his community that was in the Crips gang. And he ended up coming to faith. And then the, the community raised the money to have his tattoos of teardrops, which symbolize kills, are mm. taken off his face because he has a new identity. He's not a killer anymore. The community like came up with the money to go. That's not who you are anymore. And so these these stories of what God's doing in these various places and spaces. I, Creo, I, I think, is just like you're not alone, and anybody can play. And this isn't just a movement for church leaders. It's a movement for any single person filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can do this. Anyone, you can you can start this. You know. At we're, we're watching people form micro churches or missional communities or expressions of church at UPS, at the Renaissance Fair, right? Like places that you'd never picture church happening. And you look around and go, this is really cool. So I think the most important thing that we can offer is just a sense of you're not alone and support coaching, you know, sharing stories and ideas here are some things we're doing, but don't copy paste it. We're going to sit here and dream with you because you're going to create something that fits the people that you're connecting with. What, what does worship look like for these people? What does it look like for them to connect with God and to grow and to experience Jesus? What does, what does mission look like? What sucks about this workplace? What needs to change? What would Jesus do if he showed up? What would look different? Who would be loved? Who would be included that isn't included? Right. And you're starting to process all that stuff with, with people. So I think coaching is really critical, but, but also like we're, we're together. We're not alone in the journey. 
You know, Mike, you have touched on some really strong points that we've been discussing globally uh, for, we've been unpacking a book called New Power and how we put the work into people's hands that they can participate, they can um, spread ideas, uh, that that uh, they can come up with um, their mission. Uh, and so a lot of what you just said lines up with what we've been talking about already with new power. I'm curious for Creo, um, you know, we're, we're talking about this and you're doing it. What do you find is needed for um, at, at the level of creating people sharing ideas and people, you know, sparking each other, what's needed at that, that level to make that happen? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my observation is, is, uh, ide ideas and stories and inspire and get people excited to want to do something. But then when we ask the question of, all right, well, what's the next step? What are you going to try next? And, uh, freedom to not get it right. You know, we actually encourage people like we need you to fail more like go go like come back and tell us stories of 10 things that were like absolute train wrecks <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's okay it doesn't yeah. it doesn't have to work and but i want you to tell me what you're gonna try this week like go mm -hmm. go try it and and so then the follow-up to the goal that they set for themselves because people don't like to be told what to do. The spirit is really good at inspiring and giving ideas and direction. So what do you want to do? What do you hear the spirit telling you to do? What ideas do you have as we shared? What do you think would work in your neighborhood or workplace or city? And then do you mind if we follow up on that in two weeks when we hop on zoom or when I call you up and you follow up and go, how did it go? What, what are you seeing happen there? and sort of troubleshoot and then back at it again. And so the, the coaching is usually they set a goal and then we follow up and then we process it together and pray together. Then they set a follow-up goal and they're sort of learning as they're going, learning from the spirit, talking together in community. It's, that That's usually where we're finding the most traction. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love that. Well, Mike, one of the things I'm really interested in is when you were here in Knoxville doing the uh, Creo event a couple of, I don't know, it's been a couple of months ago, uh, you had started to talk to me about the missional rhythms that you guys had come up with as a community called Reach. Um, now, in the Forge Tribe, you know, we have Frosty's Bells, you know, we've heard of Dave Ferguson's Bless, and I got really intrigued by this missional rhythm. So I was wondering, if could you just unpack uh, this this thing for us? Yeah, so... Actually, early on in, in the story of our local church network here, I had, th that's when I met Alan, was we went through a future travelers thing, and I heard about Bells at one of the sessions that I was in. Went back, and by the way, I was so encouraged because I'm like, I'm not alone. There's all these people that have been doing this. They've been doing it longer. It, there are people that have been a part of this conversation that I can learn from. I was super encouraged. So I went back and tried to apply bells to our group of people. And I was so frustrated that they like, didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like it. They didn't want to do it. They, they started like arguing. Don't they know who wrote it? Come on. <laughs> they, they never heard of any of those people. They're, I don't know who any of those people are. Um, there, there was no interest whatsoever. And th then they would sort of talk about some of the stuff like, 
what is what is sentness and you know what what are some of these words what does that even mean and they start asking these questions and you know eat does it does it have to be eat can we play golf can we get a coffee like and start asking all those type of questions and so then we started going well what it, what does good news look like for our community and what would it look like to follow Jesus in in ways that are like a countercultural breath of fresh air for the people that we're hanging with and when we started asking those questions we we actually it didn't start with as reach it started as here h e a r um which was home and we talked we just looked around and went every person their their home life whether they're uh living with a roommate or young married couple or family all of them are incredibly unhealthy most of them don't even eat a meal with another person they're sitting in front of a tablet they don't uh there's a lot of brokenness and unhealthiness so what what does healthy home life look like um then we said all right engage eat or engage with what does it look like to eat with and engage with people the way that Jesus did people that are inside of our faith, outside, outside of our faith, whoever Jesus ate with variety of different people. Then we said, um, act of love, like, like we want to bless people and do sort of acts of love that would be encouraging or a blessing to other people. And then the last one we said is rest, like, Everyone's talking about busyness and pretty much everyone that we have a conversation with, we go, how are you doing? Dude, like I'm just burnt out, swamped, I'm busy, stuff's crazy. And so we said it's it's probably good news to break away with the one that we love and rest. Jesus is not another busy thing to add to our already busy lives, but he is an invitation to take a break from the chaos of life and rest. But then we found out not long after we started implementing these rhythms that people like became cocky about their implementation of rhythms. And it created like this like religious arrogance of, well, our home life is good and we're eating with people like Jesus and we're blessing people. And I took a day off and then I went, we should probably like build in the reality that we're all broken and suck. And so we need a, a C for confess, right? And so we just switched the letters around. <laughs> and instead of here, we made it reach. It was rest, eat, act of love, confess, and home. And in the rest, part of what we built into that was we're, we're going to take a break, slow down. So it's rest, read, and reflect is what the R is in reach. Rest, read, reflect. So you're you're able to take a break, take take a day off, take a nap, also like hear from God, break away from the chaos and be refreshed by God, read, reflect, and then eat with people, act of love, bless people, confess, let's talk about where we suck, and thank God that Jesus picks up the tab that we're all free, forgiven, loved, and then talk about home life. Now, here's the other thing. We tried to we tried to implement bells with like the three people and three times a week or whatever those rhythms were. And we found that that became sort of a legalistic and judgy thing or people would feel really like overwhelmed by, I, I didn't 
eat with three people. I only ate with two and now I feel guilt and shame. And so we just decided that every time we got together, these were the, were the things that we would talk about. These were the stories that we would tell. And the more that we would talk about it and ask, who are you eating with? It started to become culture. So we took the numbers away and just said, we're just always going to talk about this stuff. We found that people started eating with people like Jesus started opening up about where they were sucking, sharing stories about the stuff they were reading. And it started to change some culture for us. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being here with us. And uh, if people want to get connected to Creo Collective, if they want to get connected to you to know more about what you're doing, what's the best way for people to do that? Yeah, website, creocollective.org. You, you could also uh, just email us and you can put the email in there creocollective at gmail.com so email look us up on facebook we're pretty active there too we have a instagram gotcha yep. all right Creo so on, Collective. On, on the socials and on the website yeah we'll make sure we put that out there well mike thank you so much for being here with us really appreciate the time man keep doing what you're doing it's inspiring love what you guys are doing uh, and just thank you man thanks mike thanks yeah good hanging with you guys Thank you for listening to the Forge America Missional Podcast. Forge America longs to see the reign of God revealed in the everyday spaces of life. To do this, we partner with local movements to mobilize the people of God to participate in the everyday mission of God. If you'd like to know more about Forge America, feel free to check us out at forgeamerica.com.